around the world and coast to coast. This is the Phil Nason Show. You're listening to AFR, the Armed Forces Radio Network. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes. We're going to talk NBA basketball. My friend Sherm is here. We'll get to him in a second. We want to thank Armed Forces Radio for broadcasting this show. We want to thank Bovada and Dollar Shave for being great affiliates. And what you have to do is click those links on the website at philnasonshow.com so I can get some cash. Flash needs some cash. Let's get it done. I'm dropping you knowledge. My guests are dropping you knowledge. It's time to go out there and take care of yourself. And I'll tell you what, the products we have are amazing. Just amazing. Another product that I want to point you in the right direction is the Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. That is a fantastic, fantastic draft guide. You can get it at LennyMelnickFantasySports.com. I wrote the DFS portion, and I did a lot of player profiles. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I can't say it enough. It's fantastic. Just like my next guest from WelcomeToLoudCity.com, my only guest, I should say. Please welcome Sherm to the show. What's up, dude? You are in the house. Hey, Phil. What's happening? So glad to be back on the show. I feel like it's never uh, it's never often enough, so I'm really excited to talk to you tonight. It used to be every week, but I don't do this every week anymore. I do it in bunches now. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've been doing this show 10 years. And now it's more like, like, I'm doing it like Bill Simmons does his BS podcast because he still has it. Mm-hmm. We call them events now. Ah, this so is I an cre- event? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think we're going to do it more often, though, because I think this is going to wind up on a different kind of network. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to do that. Of course we are. We will, of course. The Oklahoma City Thunder. I got to ask you a question. Yes. This is a tough row for them to hoe. Now, here's the deal. They have 20 remaining games. 19 if you count after tonight because they're playing on Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday, but you're not going to hear this until Friday probably. So anyhow, six of the 20 remaining games are against teams below 500. So when you hear this show, people, it'll be five of the last 19. Then you have 19, you have against the other teams, you have, what would that be? 14 of the next 19 games are against teams over 500. And this Thunder team is 19 and 16 against those above 500 teams. And yet just 16 and 11 below teams of 500 or less. What do you say for these people? Well, it's, uh, it, I think it's reflective of a real up and down year uh, <laughs> for sure. For, um, sure. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. And if we want to start off with, Mavericks that uh, the Thunder will have uh, finished playing by the time this airs. Uh, they've beaten the Thunder twice this year, and that is within the context that we now know that uh, Mark Cuban has publicly admitted to is that they're tanking, and he was fined what five hundred thousand dollars, six hundred thousand. Yeah, almost. You know, you know, just shy of a billion dollars for saying we're tanking. Uh, so. That's that's your your 2017-18 Mavericks, uh, and and that's the team that the Thunder has lost twice to, looking pretty bad in both of those occasions. And it's not just the Mavericks; it's also a whole slew of other teams. And saying that they play down to their level of competition really doesn't do it justice. 
And so uh, <laughs> I think it's something so much more complicated than that. I think it's pretty uh, simple, really. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I should say it's 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 straightforward and yet complex. If I could introduce that sort of dichotomy, you can use all the nuanced <laughs> terms you want. Go ahead. I think it's straightforward in the sense that uh, the pro the consistent problem has been their defense is all over the place, even though they're consistently ranked really highly in a lot of defensive metrics and advanced defensive metrics and a lot of hustle stats, uh, they go through stretches where their defense is horrific. And so I think it really kind of puts a, a shadow over uh, what they really are as a defensive entity. And the, uh, the game that we just saw a couple nights ago against the Magic typifies it perfectly. They started off that game with another team 18 win uh, game uh, season for for the Orlando Magic clearly in you know close to shutdown mode tanking mode and they shot 70% in the first quarter they scored almost 40 points against this so-called vaunted defense and it wasn't until the Thunder actually committed to playing defense the rest of the game that it eventually turned into their favor uh, they continuously allow bad teams to play really really well uh, twice this year against the the Kings uh, of all teams, they have started off hot and then completely fallen apart in the middle of the games. Lost one, barely won the second one on our on a Russell Westbrook buzzer beater. And the question is, why do these so-called bad teams give them so much trouble? Uh, the the glass, I wouldn't even say half full. I'd say a third full would say. Uh, it's it's a good sign for the quality of talent in the NBA. I think that's a, a fair point. Is that um, you know even the bad teams have talent that can shine when other teams don't pay attention to them and don't execute. Uh, but the flip side of it is how close to that kind of level of team are the Thunder really? Uh, and I'm not sure what the answer is to that because uh, they've played closer to that level than the upper echelon level. Luckily for luckily for you. I have an answer for you. All right. Let me hear it. I'm going to. I, I want to make sure to pull up this stat because I'm using from January 1st until the 27th of February. I'm not even going to use the 28th stats. The Thunder defensively are number 15 in the NBA at 107.1. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, from the opening gun until the day last day of December, they were fifth in the NBA in defensive efficiency alone. I suspect that this team is probably somewhere in the middle defensively when they want to be. Now, that's one of the things that I, I try to tell folks at the beginning of the season, you better pump those brakes. When you start talking about Carmelo Anthony becoming the third member of a quote-unquote big three. You remember me saying this, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I told you, Paul George is another one. You have to be careful with these guys. There's a reason they didn't want to stay where they were. There's a reason the teams didn't do well where they were. They were the reason. And now they've come over to a team with a, that was a one-man show, and now you've got this mess. Nobody seemed to want to know who was going to do what offensively. That was the first problem they had. But defensively, this team, everyone told me how great a defense they were, and I watch almost every one of their games as I do every team, which is why I have bags under my eyes that you could probably put a brick of gold in <laughs> and have room for an extra one. 
But the point is, is this, when you have a defensive jump from a time when you're just getting together and now you so-called have this chemistry or you've played together 40, 50 games and now you have this plummet defensively, I'm thinking that that's who you really are. Well, I think that's fair, but but uh, of course, the the one element that we have to address, I think, fairly is is the loss of Andre Robertson. Oh, uh, we're going to talk about that, by the way. That's who, the, uh, that's yeah. that's most of what this is leading up to. Okay, uh, who is an outstanding defensive player? No, he uh, sucks. He's trash, and he should have been in the G League. That's what <laughs> Thunder fans were telling me from the beginning of the season. There have definitely been a number of of Robertson detractors. Uh, I, I personally think that he has demonstrated not only is he good as an individual defensive player, I think he's proven that he is a great team defensive player. And uh, the loss of him has exposed a lot of the uh, the warts uh, that, it, that exist in the team, even with uh, a solid defensive center in Steven Adams, with uh, a defensive player of the year candidate in, in Paul George, I think that what Robertson allowed those guys to do by cleaning up a lot of the, the mistakes that were made, particularly at the point with Russell Westbrook and at the forward position with Carmelo Anthony, just cannot be understated. He allowed those guys to actually look competent on defense because of all the things that he was doing uh, on the weak side, at the point of attack, and the pick and roll. He, uh, he, he essentially did what I would call he he fed a defensive assists to Paul George where he was so good in the pick and roll sets that he would force defenses or excuse me offenses to to loft lazy passes cross court that Paul George was just picking off uh you know like like uh, a butterfly net and then they were sending the the ball the other direction and so uh, I, I think this season has has validated Robertson's abilities on the defensive end and uh and so to, to lose him, it's, it's exposed so many of the problems that aren't going to go away the rest of the season, no matter whether they start Alex Abrinas or Terrence Ferguson or even Josh Hustis, who uh, is probably the most similar physical likeness to Robertson, but is by far inferior in terms of his defensive acumen and his instincts and his uh, just team dynamic, between, specifically between uh, Steven Adams. Yeah, you can make all the excuses you like. But here's the deal. Since Robertson got hurt on the uh, 28th, I believe, was his last game. Mm-hmm. They're number 28th in defense. Yep. Prior to the injury, they were fifth. Or I should say plus minus. Minus 2.1 since Robertson got hurt. Mm-hmm. When he was in the lineup every day, they were a plus 4.0. That's doom, my friends. Do you realize what that means? You cannot have a negative plus minus as a team and win anything. Yeah, certainly not over, over the long haul and definitely not in a playoff series when the other team has time to game plan for you specifically. And, uh, and that's why his, his impact has, has been so painful. You know, plus, I just happen to like the guy. I like the fact that he was a late-round draft pick and he's worked his way up to, to be in this kind of situation. Uh, the loss of him is, has been really tough. And... Yeah, you know, like we saw in the first quarter against Orlando, like we saw against the uh, the Warriors uh, the other night uh, against the Grizzlies, against the Kings. Uh, this team is is not 
a really competent defensive team. And, and I think what it goes back to, and I guess I kind of have to put this on Billy Donovan in a sense, but also uh, Adrian Griffin, I think, is the, the defensive uh, assistant coach. They constructed this defense to, to behave a certain kind of way. <laughs> and it's, it's actually kind of brilliant in the sense that... Yeah, I can tell how brilliant it is. <laughs> no, but they utilize you know, the abilities of Robertson and Paul George on the strong side and weak side and Stephen mm-hmm. Adams coordinating thing from, things from the back line. And then they, which allowed them to, uh, to permit Russell Westbrook to kind of just do his, you know, uh, free safety, you know, stat bill, padding bill, thing, you know, thing where he could just kind of freelance and, and pick off passes. And, yeah. And, it's pad his stats. Sure. Yeah. And it, it allowed uh, Carmelo to, to not be as heavily exposed because they were defending the, uh, the prick and roll so well. Uh, they, they were doing a great job not allowing uh, guys to come clean off of that high pick and roll, which allowed Carmelo to kind of sit back and wait and see things coming in front of him. But now that's, that's all out the window. And so hmm. the thing that was constructed so well, uh, you know, it's kind of like, a, you know, what they, they call, you know, like Lamborghinis. Like when they're performing properly, they can't be beat. But when some just the little the smallest thing goes wrong on them, they just turn into, you know, space in your driveway. Right. Uh, and, and that's kind of what we're seeing is that it was constructed so delicately and specifically to the personnel that when once they lost one of the key elements and the key components of that defense, the rest of it just doesn't work. Nope, it doesn't work. But you can't tell people that because they know everything like Robertson. I can't believe I defended Thunder the thunder with him i say are you kidding me you don't even have a clue what he is and on the other hand during the playoffs when everything gets shortened and in the court shrinks in half and things slow down robertson's a very good cutter Mm -hmm. and he cuts to the basket he catches the ball nice and he scores and he's usually left wide open because no one expects him to do anything and that's important he got a lot of buckets. I think he averaged like 11 points a game in the playoffs last season. And that was important. That was crucial. I know that the Thunder lost, but they would have gotten beat even worse if he weren't there. This is a team that's reeling without him. How do they win in the playoffs without him? They don't, do they? How, how is that possible that they win in the playoffs? Well, I mean, that, that, that's a really good question. And to your point, I think he was the second leading scorer against the Rockets in the playoffs. He was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, think about that. A guy who can't really shoot, <laughs> you know, layups <laughs> or three-pointers or anything in between, how is he the second leading scorer? Because he's gotten really smart at how to contribute on offense. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that the, the Thunder offense has basically remained unchanged without him in the lineup, I think really speaks to maybe he wasn't such a dead weight after all, as long as he's being asked to do the things that he can do. Like you say, you know, cut, get the backdoor lob, set good screens and, uh, you know, clean up the, uh, the misses and things like that. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, his, his impact can be felt uh, on both sides of the ball. Now, how did the Thunder win in the playoffs? Well, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, to matchups, honestly. Um, the one thing that the Thunder have proven that they can't do very well is is guard uh, teams that have centers who can pull Adams away from the rim. Right, so, like teams uh, like Minnesota. Minnesota, uh, Denver, and uh, Portland. 
are three teams that, even though I believe they have inferior talent, right. can, can beat the Thunder simply because by moving Steven Adams away from the rim, the other guys are just not trustworthy enough to keep the other team out of the lane, uh, you know, away from getting clean looks from three-point range, et cetera. Um, that's their Achilles heel is, is, a, is a center who can move away from the rim, shoot from the outside, uh, you know, so you've got Nurkic, and you've got Jokic, and you've got Cat, um, uh, Carl um, Anthony Towns. All three of those guys can do that. I think Cat is probably the worst in terms of passing. The other two big guys are decent. Jokic uh, is obviously an elite passer. Um, and so those types of teams will give the Thunder a whole lot of trouble. Uh, I think that the Spurs are a good matchup for the Thunder. Um, uh, I think the Pelicans ultimately are just going to be too shorthanded. Uh, I mean, Adrian, um, excuse me, um, AD, Anthony, Anthony Davis, Davis yeah. is just, you know, tearing it up right now because, uh, in his, his words, he actually, he actually said, I'm taking the Russell Westbrook approach and I'm just going to shoot whenever I get the ball. And so far it's worked out pretty well, but we both know that long-term that is not a viable way to win in the playoff. No, it sure isn't. Uh, it sure isn't. You know, the thing is too, you bring up Portland, and, and let, you talked about Nurkic, but let's not forget they got that other kid, Zach Collins, mm-hmm. who's even a better shooter than Nurkic. Nurkic is a basket case. We're going to get into overrated and underrated later on in the program. Okay. And when we do, I think you're going to hear Portland's name come up. All right. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing <laughs> you, people. you got to hang around. But honestly, they're in big trouble. I, the Thunder, how, how do they even make the playoffs? Would you be surprised if they missed the playoffs? Because I wouldn't be. This is a tough finish for them. It is, and, and I think a five-game stretch at any point in the final 20 games of this season could ratchet them as high as the third seed or right out of the playoffs. And there you go. I, I, was say, I said the same thing, too, I'm on, at creativesport.com, but, or creativesport2.com, excuse me. And I'll probably say the same thing over at Sonics Rising because I'm writing over there now. But um, back home with my Sonics buddies. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's where I started, if you remember. So, uh, That's right. They well, got some good guys there. <laughs> they got some great guys. You know, you know, because you come over on our Facebook page with us. Mm-hmm. On my Facebook page. And, and it's perfect. But So now you got this issue the other night. Yeah. And I've been talking about this all week. And I, I want you to talk about this, too. And I'm going to talk about this with all kinds of folks. Maybe even into next week. Zaza Pakuya. He, yeah. he, he's known for some... Uh, how do you... Yeah, well borderline shaky place mm-hmm. that's i want to be generous I, yeah. I i think i have a good idea what he is mm-hmm. but um he took a tumble on russell westbrook the other night and russell westbrook didn't get hurt and Maybe. zaza didn't get fined or yeah. anything what do you think about what do you think is zaza you think he's a dirty player i think i don't know i mean Dirty, dirty player carries this sort of um, connotation that I don't find very useful. Um, okay, that's fair. You, know, you I, think I he think, intentionally goes out and tries to hurt people? No, I, I think that what his job is is to to muck up the middle right. so that his, his high flying teammates can do what they do, and he's being asked to, you know, tussle. He's being asked to get in there and, you know, get some fouls on Steven Adams to, to knock guys to the ground. 
you know, he's he's a modern day Bill Lambeer, but without the you know handsome good looks <laughs> and the shot. Yeah, uh, you know, but it's the same kind of thing. Is you know, and I, and I'll be the first to say there is value in that. I mean, that was Kendrick Perkins for you know for his. his I, I mentioned that I mentioned that over at uh, on my show yesterday with Wilco. Um, I talked about that exact thing. You know, you have to have that enforcer type, and, and this is the context I used in that. You notice that no one ever tried to retaliate after that, mm-hmm. and you notice why. And, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. Because I don't care if I despised Russell Westbrook, if I were his teammate or whatever, or any MVP, my MVP, somebody tried to hurt him, somebody would be, uh, there would be parts of Jaws three counties over. Yeah. You don't play with these people. I mean, Zaza Pukui is what he is. Now, Wilco likened him to a hockey goon. Yeah, I I would probably use that. And even, even hockey goon is kind of a, you know, it it has a, a negative connotation. Um, you know, and not to to wax too philosophical about this, but it begs the question of, you know, is there such a thing as morality in sports and you know in pro sports and things like that? No, I, I kind of argue there isn't. The only are, you don't have to argue. I'll I'll, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'll I I guarantee you there isn't. I mean, it, it, to me, it's 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 morally neutral. Um, you know, the only, the only responsibility you have is, is to your teammates and to your organization, the, 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 the franchise that employs you. And if you're doing things that help them, then you're okay. They love you. You, you know, know, that's, that's a good point. You know, when you go back to morality in sports, somebody got kicked out of the Olympics for doping and curling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's just be what it is now. I'm not going to get on my soap box, soap box because back in my day, I did stuff too. Everybody did. Everybody does something. It's whether they get caught or not. But that's neither. That's a different issue. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you go out to purposely hurt someone, mm-hmm. you're trash in my book, especially in a game that's non-contact. If you can do it legally, then that's a different issue, of course. For example. I take you to the rack and you block my shot and you do it forcefully and I land and break my ankle. That's a good play. Mm-hmm. You've helped your team and you've and crushed the other team because I would be a leading scorer for sure. But uh, the point is, is that's not a, a morality issue, is it? I don't think so. I, I think it's, it, it's something that's equitable or not equitable. So, so if we look at Zaza, you know, he he lands on Westbrook. Westbrook essentially is sidelined the rest of the game. They were right. going to lose it anyway. Um, now they win the game. That's a good thing. But what if Zaza then had his play reviewed and he got tossed out of the game and had and received a uh, a suspension for a month? Right. Okay. To use an extreme example, that hurts the team. I mean, that kind of says, "Hey, that was the wrong thing to do." Um, and to, to take an even even more straightforward example, let's look at Draymond Green in the uh, in the 2016 playoffs. Oh, that number, was terrible. There were a number of plays where he intentionally, I'm sorry, intentionally kicked Stephen Adams in the groin, got away with it. They ended right. up winning that series, uh, but then he kept up with those antics, and then he you know he pulled the the wrong bull's horns, 
you know, and took a, a you know a cheap swipe at LeBron, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's just gets, it, huh? You know, gets the suspension, completely reverses the course of the series, they lose. You know, so did he do something morally wrong? No, but he did something that hurt his team in the long run because he couldn't keep that emotion in check long enough and it eventually cost his team the, the championship. So, so I don't look at Zaza and say, that guy's a thug, that guy's immoral or whatever. I just say, did he help his team or did he hurt his team? Um, you know, I look at every technical foul that, uh, or technical, uh, yeah, technical foul that Westbrook gets or Donovan gets, you know, it's all the same thing in my book. Did you help your team or did you hurt them? Um, you know, and it's not always easy to tell in, in the immediate term. It, it tends to play itself out. See, that's just it. You know what? Ozaza just got smacked, by the way, in the back of the head on a layup. And, and they're all laughing down there. But the thing is, is this. When you have a guy like Zaza, and Z let's say, for example, Zaza did jack up Westbrook. And let's just say Westbrook couldn't play again that night, or maybe for like Kawhi Leonard for like forever. Yeah. And uh, he gets kicked out or suspended for 25 games. That doesn't hurt the Warriors at all because they, can, they don't need him. He's only there for one reason. They should, if they could prove, it was very obvious he fell down on Westbrook. Very obvious. It kind of reminded me of the playoffs when Blake Griffin and the Grizzlies played against each other. Uh -huh. and, and Griffin hogtied uh, Zach Randolph and dragged him to the court. Mm -hmm. Some similar thing like that. You know, those guys know what they're doing. There was no one near him when he fell. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, though. I, I brought this up and people were amazed that I caught this. But then don't be. It's me. It, Westbrook laid on the ground for a, a long while. There was still a play going on. But as soon as the whistle blew, only one of his teammates hustled back to help him. And on the other hand, not one person, again, we talked about this before, not one person stood up for him and got physical with Zaza or someone else. I'm watching the play again on the TV right now. They're, they know I'm talking about them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think somebody should have broke him up. Because here's why. This is something that Wilco brought up yesterday, though. He said, he goes, maybe they, he did it because he knew no one would retaliate. Maybe. I I don't know. That that's a reach on this play. I don't think that thought press was going through his head. I don't think he, anything goes through his head. When he inartfully fell on Westbrook's knee. Um so you take it so much easier than others cuz you should see like everyone was talking about oh everyone that cheers and roots for the thunder of course. Mm -hmm. We're talking about oh they should suspend him. He's such a dirty player and I brought up to them, well you know, he might be but you would have a good idea what dirty players are because you have two of them on the same team rated by the NBA players, Ibaka and Steven Adams. The LA Times wrote about that. Yeah. So, so you know about dirty players. And then they shut up. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. See, you handle this well. This is exactly why you're here, to talk about it this way. Yeah, well, I don't want to go down this, this rabbit trail too much, but to me... That oh, why of, not? We still got 15 minutes. <laughs> that play is precisely why you have flagrant one fouls. Bravo. It's because, <laughs> yeah, we have flagrant one and flagrant two. Flagrant one says, I mean, and I can't quote it by memory, but it basically says if you commit a, 
a non-basketball play, but there's a lack of intent, then you get called for a flagrant one. Right. right? So that covers all of the, you know, quote unquote, um, involuntary movements that end up in what looks like a really egregious foul, which would have covered Draymond's kicks to the groin. It would have covered, you know, you know, accidental strikes to the head, you know, things like that. Flagrant one. Like you didn't necessarily have control of your actions, but you did something that was a non-basketball play. To me, that was a flagrant one by by Saza. It was a non-basketball play. It was unnecessary, um, you know. And the fact that it resulted in a potential injury is kind of beside the point. Uh, flagrant two. If you look at the if you look at the letter of the rule, that's where you write in intent. Mm-hmm. So so if you think that an action has an intent. To, to do something, that elevates it to a flagrant two. The, the two rules are actually written very, very clearly. But the problem is that the referees don't seem to interpret it that way. And, right. and, and in, my, in my opinion, and this is just speculation, I think the league asked them to reinterpret those rules in the offseason. And that's what led to some just truly disastrous uh, flagrant one and flagrant two calls in the first half of the season because the refs were not totally sure how to interpret it in, in a live court, in a, in a live action sequence. But, but to me, the flagrant one and the flagrant two uh, per, are designed to perform specific roles based on whether an action is voluntary or involuntary. And if you keep saying it's involuntary, I can't keep my foot from swinging up by somebody's head. Well, the flagrant one solves that. <laughs> you know, you say, we're going to keep hitting you with these until you stop doing it. Right. Uh, That's, but the thing is, and you're absolutely right, but the referees are... Not very consistent with that either. Yeah. And that's been disappointing. Now, playoff dark horse. Mm-hmm. You got one. You can give one on the East and one on the West if you'd like. Well, if you have them. I, sure. On the East, I would love to see the Raptors break through. Okay. Uh, I think they're a solid organization. I love their backcourt. I love how uh, Dwayne Casey coaches and uh, how he's sort of rebuilt that team to be more competitive. I think they're still at the top of the East right now. Um, I would love to see them break through. Um, and, and they've always struggled against LeBron in the playoffs. So uh, I don't know if you could call them a dark horse since they are first right now, and they'll well, probably yeah. finish in the top two. Um, but uh, for me, that, I would be really happy to see them break through. Okay. My dark horse this season in the East mm-hmm. is the Miami Heat. But they don't they- have chance. Dion Waiters, how can they break through without Dion? I know, and and that's the other thing. I know Thunder fans are going to be upset, that but you know that's probably the reason they are breaking through. You know that's a team that's been ravaged by injury all year. I mean, just tore apart. And you got Whiteside who checks out of games, and now you got this kid Bam that's playing pretty good, and James Johnson is still doing his thing. Goran Dragic has turned it up a notch. It's fun to watch these guys do that. And then they brought Dwayne Wade back, you know, and the old fella still got something when he wants to. And that's a good thing. I like them. They've moved it up. They're like in the top, what are they, offensive rating since January 1st? This team is uh, not doing so good. 23rd. But where they're getting it is the defense. They're fourth in the NBA since January 1st with a 102.3 defensive efficiency rating. That's pretty good. And I think that what's going to happen is they're going to make that court go smaller at the playoffs. And when they do, 
they're going to beat somebody. Probably going to knock off the Raptors. I don't know. I mean, any team that relies on Dwayne Wade at this point is they get they they get what they deserve. Okay, um, but Josh Richardson is the guy they're really relying on, and he's doing pretty good. And, and Dragic is doing all right. And Whiteside, here's the thing though. Here, here's the one thing that I want. If this is a, if this is how it goes, and it's Toronto, Miami, Whiteside and Valachunas. Whiteside is going to be more effective because Valanciunas, okay, he's shooting threes every so often, but Whiteside does so much better against traditional centers. So much better. Well, I mean, you don't, you don't like this idea of mine, do you? Well, I, I, well, I mean, the question is, who's your dark horse? And I, I think that fits the bill. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to trying yeah. to do is fit the bill. Now, now, who do you have in the West? is someone who's a dark horse. I don't even think it's fair to say any team is a dark horse in the West. There's two teams, <laughs> you know. There's there's only two teams, the, okay. the Rockets and the Warriors, that are true contenders. Uh, I guess if I could reframe the question a little bit is, which team do I think could pull off the upset in right. the second round? Um, I really like Denver a lot. Um, still really young team. They've got a ways to go. But, but man, when... When they're clicking on offense, I think they've got the top-rated offense in the league, and right. uh, and they cause teams so many problems with the way uh, Jokic both plays and how his teammates play off of him. Um, I mean, they wouldn't they wouldn't take more than a game off the Warriors. They might give the Rockets a run for their money. They definitely have the shooters to match up with the Rockets shooters. Uh, I don't know how they would deal at the point of attack with Harden. Harden would, en- Harden would end up going to the free throw line like 20 times a game every- <laughs> the entire series. Um, but I think they could take a couple games off of them. The, they're, they're the team that I, I really enjoy watching when I'm not watching the Thunder. And that is Denver? Yeah, yeah. Because that's who I have. All right, well, great minds. <laughs> for, of course, for the same reasons too, by the way. Yeah. I like that team. That's my fa- one of my favorite teams to watch. I love watching Denver play. I like Will Barton. Mm-hmm. I like it more because uh, Olshay traded him, and you know he's not very good at trades. He's okay. he's like he's like Sam Presti. He's pretty good at drafting guys. Mm-hmm. Well, they're good at drafting the obvious guys. Yeah, they're not so good at putting a team together, and that's why you have those two teams that are underachievers. But I like Denver. All the problems that they had. They've kind of melted away, and they've bonded as a basketball team. Mike Malone has gotten so much crap over the years because he was coaching Boogie. And as soon as he gets to Denver, they blow that team up, rebuild it, retool, whatever you want to call it. They're going to make the playoffs. Jokic is a monster, by the way. I love that team. Now, now here we go. We got our dark horses out of the way, dude. Okay. Now, you can choose East or West first. Give me your overrated team. You want me to go first? You go first. I got. Sound, I'm going to do the. I'm going to do the East first. Okay, go. The Boston Celtics. Okay. You know we talked about the Los Angeles Clippers, you and I, for a hundred years together, mm-hmm. and we always come up with the term "paper tiger." Yeah. <laughs> this is what I've got for them. They're a paper tiger. You know, their defense has been really good all year. Their defensive efficiency, they've been number one in the NBA all year long. But their offense has taken a freaking bath. They are actually very bad. 
offensive team since January the 1st. This basketball team, this Boston Celtics basketball team, is ranked number 22 in offense. That's not going to get it done. They might have a number one defense, but that's not going to get it done. They're rebounding. They're terrible again. Everyone talks about how much better they got. Their rebounding is the same. They're awful. Their defense in the paint is awful. The moment that everything slows down in the courts, I always say courts get smaller. You've heard me say that a million times. You know exactly what I mean. Yep. Everything slows down. The pace slows down. Everything slow gets it together, and they play half-court basketball. They're going to get freaking destroyed in the playoffs. I don't care by who, because if they can't stop the paint and protect the paint, they're going to be in big, big trouble. If they had to play today, the team that they would play against would be the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid, if he's healthy, and Ben Simmons, if he's healthy, and Dario Saric, if he's healthy, will beat them to death. How about that for analysis, sir? Uh, <clears throat> I think that has merit, especially because, as you just said, their margin is really small. Really small. You know, where if, if you're depending on Kyrie to kind of deliver you in fourth quarters... For, gonna happen. In a seven-game series, it's not going to happen for more than one series. <laughs> or two. Or you know what? He might win a couple games in one series, but yeah, you're right. He ain't going to do much after that. Yeah, and you know, it's crazy to think that this is sort of the the impact of, of losing Gordon Hayward in you know game one of the year. Um, that was at that game. I, I think I told you that, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Just terrible stuff you know but this is this is what you end up with is that your 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 margin for error is so razor thin in a seven game series when the other team if they have any sort of defensive competency at all can game plan him out of the offense um now it's interesting about your theoretical matchup because the team that i would probably go with is the 76ers Okay. You know, for as much as fanfare as they've gotten. Okay. And, and you know, the ESPN play and the media mm-hmm. love. And, hey, I'm, I'm a fan. Like, I like where they're going. Oh, and, yeah. And you like, might end up covering them next year. <laughs> and, I, and I like the fact that they stuck with Brett Brown even through these horrible seasons. I like the fact that they stuck with him to give him a shot. Uh, they are five games over 500 in mm-hmm. the East. You know, their their point differential is less than a basket. Um, you know, Embiid still plays half a season. You know, Ben Simmons can't shoot outside of about 10 feet. Right. Uh, can't make free throws. Yep. Like, that's a team that a, a grizzled veteran, defensive-minded team could take out. And they would be like, we're going to steamroll these, these other guys. They're, this is the perfect scenario where they could win game one by 30. And then win the next game, four games, you know, under five points, and then wonder what the heck happened. Now that's a good way to put that too. You know that that what you just said. I had a hard time between the Celtics and the Seventy uh, Sixers, but I just finally finally went with the Seventy Sixers. I think it's their year. You know why? Because of all that crap. Okay, I know the Eagles won, but this is not the same thing. Yeah. Um, they had all that tanking, which you and I are neither of us are fans of. Losing on purpose is not my style, and I know it ain't yours. You're the biggest fighter I know. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, I think the city, the fans deserve that. And I don't think the Boston 
their team, I, I think they're, they're just overrated in a paper tiger. That's all. I'm sorry. Who you, okay, let's get off that because the Boston fans are going to accuse me of things again. Yeah. And I got to be there this summer, as you know, up in Maine. Yeah, yeah. Who's your, who's your overrated team in the West? Uh, if I could exclude the team that I cover. <laughs> well. well. <laughs> um, uh, how, about, how about we take, take a risk and say the Houston Rockets? Wow. Well, you got to answer that one. Well, let's take a look at... By the way, Sherman's not on Twitter, so you twittiots, you have to leave him alone. <laughs> let's take a look at James Harden's playoff history. Oh, my. Well, you would know that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Do we need to go into it in detail? Cause I not think... <laughs> really, no. But don't you think it's time he gets a bounce back? There's no such thing. <laughs> you are who you are, and either you avoid the situations that cause your stress level to force you to collapse uh, or you learn to deal with it. And I've seen no evidence that he's learned how to deal with the stress moments. Uh, I mean, the, his performance against the Spurs last season was in the playoffs, just, just an amazing hit against his, his legacy and validated every person who argued that Russell Westbrook did not deserve the MVP. Uh, and then you've got his backcourt mate, Chris Paul, who has a history of melting down in a major way when the stress rises up as well. And so I'm not saying they're not a great team this season. I'm just saying that both of those backcourt guys do have a history, a documented history of falling apart at really bad times. All right. I'm curious to see what happens when that situation arises. That's a good point. You know that I, I really am impressed with Houston. They're another team I like to watch this year. And the reason I like to watch them is because of all the threes. You know, last year, I'm listening to uh, Sirius. I was at McDonald's. I think I called you after this. I'm not sure. I think it was you I called. But Mike D'Antoni was on the show as a guest of Sam Mitchell, which is a, I'm a fan of. I think you are, too. Yep. And he, uh, Sam Mitchell was a pretty good player in his day. He liked to shoot the ball. And D'Antoni said, you know what? Sam, you would love to play for me because I have this idea. And Sam said, what, what idea is that, coach? And he said, my plan is for them to shoot 100 threes in a game. And <laughs> Sam Mitchell went gaga because he liked to fire that rock and uh, fire up that rock, I should say, shoot the ball. And you got to love it. You got to love a team that's willing to take that risk of shooting. 53s in a game. I want to. I'm looking forward tonight to watch the Clippers game. Now that Blake Griffin's not there, this could still be a fight with that mouthy kid that's in the Clippers world. But you know what? I, I hear everything that you say. I have this funny feeling though that Harden's going to come back and do something special this year. I, it just seems like this is the best he's ever played. We'll have to wait and see. I, you know, you're more than likely you're right, but we'll have to see. Now, you ready for my overrated team? All right, go for it. I think they might not even make the playoffs. I'm hoping they don't because their fan base are morons. And that's the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Oh, not don't hate on the Blazers fans. Why <laughs> wouldn't I do that? You remember how they <laughs> Do you remember how they treated me? Yeah. I I predicted them making the playoffs and they told me I was crazy and then when they won, they didn't even want to give me credit for it. 
Forget him. Even the Thunder people gave me more credit. They couldn't believe that. But here's why. I don't have any respect for their defense. I thought that was crap. Before, or at the end of the, I call the first half December 31st. Well, you knew that already. Yeah. Third in defensive efficiency. Now they're 16th. And that tells a lot right there. You've got Nurkic, who you brought up earlier. I agree with everything that you say about him. I love Bosnian people so much. I love coaching them. I love their character. I love the, how they get excited. And they want to please you because they don't want to go back home. <laughs> Let's face it. You don't want to <laughs> go. They don't. And, and, and I've had those kids tell me that. You know, I, They're very open and transparent and honest. you got to love them. But they're also combustible. Because anytime you're trying to please people for the wrong reasons, you're going to have problems. Now, the backcourt. Now they're experimenting with that three-point guard thing some, at times. They must not have been paying attention to the Phoenix Suns, who had better guards, and that didn't work. And then you've got Lillard, and you've got McCollum, and you've got Napier. I think Napier is probably better than the other two if given the opportunity. I think the only way that they win is if McCollum and Lillard both go off at the same time, and they don't. I think it's they take turns. Who knows what's up behind that? Well, they are overrated, dude. Completely overrated. Yeah, I, I I can see that. I could I could see it going both ways. I could see them pulling an upset in the first round and also going down like four to one. Oh, I could too, but I just don't trust that team. I don't trust CJ McCollum at all. I don't trust El Camino at all. I don't trust uh Myers Leonard, but he doesn't really play anymore. And Nurkic, I, like I said, I love watching that kid play, but I don't trust him. He's too combustible for my liking. And that's the way it is. But I'll tell you what, this has been, as always, an incredible time talking basketball with you, my friend. Yes. Always. Give me your Thunder prediction quick. For the rest of the year? No, for next week, next last month. What do you think? I got to get you on record here so I can laugh at you all summer long. All right. So they are, <laughs> they, they got 35 wins right now. Right. I, I think they probably reached last year's win total. I think they get to 47. A big, uh, with the big three? Yeah. I, I think they get to, thir- to 47 wins. They win 12 more games. Um, they probably end up in like the, the fifth seed. I'd love it if they were playing the Spurs in that four or five spots. Um, I know the San Antonio is going to struggle, but Minnesota, they might struggle too with losing, losing Butler, uh, for potentially the rest of the year. So, um, I don't know. I'm not sure how that'll shake out. Okay. Also, you know, we got a, I, I, I was neglecting my duties here. Corey Brewer looks like the Woj man has uh, decided to let us in and fill us in on mm-hmm. Corey Brewer showing up for the thunder. What does that do? Well, uh, he brings, you know, two, you know, 3.7 points a game. So it's clearly a game changer. Clearly <laughs> he did play for, he did play for Billy Donovan in college. He did. He won't helped him win two championships at Florida played alongside Joe Noah, Al Horford. And here's the thing is that Chandler Parsons to- was on that team too, right? I don't remember. Don't remember. Um, I don't think so. But um, he be another one that would be perfect in Oklahoma City. Yeah, but he's hurt like every other year. <laughs> he's, uh, he hasn't been healthy for one hardly at all since he's been in Memphis. 
You know that Chandler Parsons, dude, he gets paid seven hundred thousand dollars this season for every three pointer he's hit. <laughs> it's good money if you can make it. I think he's Chris Wallace's long lost son. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think um, Brewer. He seemed like a good guy, a good teammate. Teammate mm-hmm. works hard. He plays yep. hard. Um, he has a good disposition. I think he's well respected. But for some reason, every time I visit fan sites that have him on their team, they all hate him. Yeah, I know. And I don't really understand why, because he seems to do pretty well against the Thunder. Um, here's here's what I'd say in my prediction is that if Billy wants to rotate him in. I don't know if he would start him, but if he wants to make him a part of the regular rotation at the shooting guard spot and asks nothing of him but to focus on defense, then it could be something. But if they expect to get any sort of offense out of him at all, aside from the the, the token corner three about what Robertson was taking, right? Then it's not going to go well. Uh, you know, but he is. They they clearly went after him because of what they think he can bring on the defensive end because he's athletic, he's long, he's got a good wingspan. He can cover the gaps the way they need Josh Hustis to, but just don't seem to be totally convinced that he can do it. Uh, so I think that's why they went after him. Yeah, they had to bring somebody in there because you know what? Those veterans, they, they need another guy who's been around for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's a game changer. Yeah, game changer. That's you know what favorite. I heard he's best at? What's that? Making golf reservations in may he'll fit right in on that team thanks for being here buddy thank you all right that was j.a sherman you can find him over at welcome to loudcity.com and that's going to wrap it up for today's show make sure you head on over to lenny melnick fantasy sports and pick up that draft guide make sure you head on over to welcome to loud city and watch my friend sherm try to figure out the thunder and when he does he can let us know Until next time, y'all take care of yourselves, be good, and most importantly, Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.